It's Friday. It's mailbag time. Adam Mares and I will answer your questions about the Denver Nuggets. Rotations. Is Christian Brown finally in it for good? We'll find out. We'll see. We'll see. Plus all sorts of questions. Good, bad, weird, otherwise on today's show of Locked on Nuggets. You are Locked on Nuggets. Your daily Denver Nuggets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Nuggets, your daily Denver Nuggets podcast, part of the Locked On Network, your team every day. Thanks for joining us and making this part of your day. Appreciate you guys being with us and making this part of your week. Hope your week's been great. Ours has been good. Better for the Nuggets if they got a win versus the Detroit Pistons. Today's show is brought to you by Ultimate Basketball GM. Ever dreamed of becoming an NBA GM and managing your basketball franchise? Then this game is definitely for you. To download the game, just visit ultimatebasketballgm.com or look it up on the app stores. Our listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code Locked On in the game. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network, joined by Adam Mares from DNVR. You can check out the pre and post game show. Before and after every Nuggets game at DMVR, as well as their daily podcast on all sorts of things. Nuggets, as well as all the great content across all Denver sports. Rocky season starting up. I'm excited to get out to a baseball game, sit on that rooftop bar, which is like one of the coolest. I think it's one of the coolest things in the city is getting a drink at that rooftop bar. It's so freaking cool to see that. Um, there's one thing I wish the NBA could do, but more, better, it more, better, better, more, better is to increase, like, to improve the experience of being at the games. Just needs a little bit of a, of some juice there. I uh, want to thank you for making this your first listen every day. We appreciate you guys making us. You have all your choices in the world of podcasts. We appreciate you guys making us your first listen. Today's episode is Mailbag. Uh, we are going to go through your questions. we got questions on Twitter. We'll get to your questions in the comment. Uh, before you guys ask questions in the comments, I will ask that you wait. We're going to do Twitter first, and then we'll get to the to chat comments after we roll through those. So don't, <laughs> I, I will get, it will get lost if I have to go back and scroll back through. So hope you get, if you guys are, are uh, wanting to get reaction to the Pistons game, I did a recap show last night. So from last night's show, you can go catch my thoughts on the Nuggets getting a, what I described as an off the ledge win versus the Pistons. Adam, do you have like a 30 second take you want to give us about the win over the Pistons? I think we're going to get to it in some of the mailbag questions. So you do not want to give me feed me. You're just going to go ahead and shut me down. Well, I'm just saying I don't know that you can have a big takeaway from a win over the Pistons, but there are. It is like what trends might have broken last game versus which ones might still be going from this the slide that that I think we'll get to. Yeah, I think it's a uh, fair point there. I'm pulling up the tweet to get the old questions fired up right now. Uh, Adam, how's your bracket doing? I filled out three brackets, all very different. So um, I'm sure I'm doing well in some of them. You haven't checked at all? I haven't even checked. What kind of American are you? I've been checking the bets and the survival. It's like easier to follow that than the login and all this different things. So I'll I'll check at the end of today. I'm at 92% on one and 70% on the other. Unfortunately, out of that 92%, one of the losses... Arizona. Oh no! In the elite eight, so that one hurts a bit. All right, let's get to the questions. Want to start with this one from Alec Gwynn. In honor of Malone's 400th win as head coach, what are some of your favorite memories of working with him over his time with the Nuggets? 
do we want to start a show with a positive long question or do we want to talk about the rotation? Um, do you want to start with that one? Do you have some thoughts well, on, on that? Well, so what was it again? In honor of Malone's 400th win as head coach, what are some of your favorite memories of working with him over his time with the Nuggets? I mean, Malone's great with media and I always appreciate that. I know it's a small thing, but you know, for us to do our jobs, you need people that like treat your answers sincerely, even if they don't like them, even if they think they're dumb, that give you like thoughtful responses. And he always does. Um, take that L on the way out is one of the few examples of a coach like succinctly explaining the um, plight of a fan base. And he yeah. did it so well in a way that I feel like galvanized the fan base. Um, you know, so there's a lot of those. And then, you know, I always appreciate when he takes time to kind of sit and chat and share some behind the scenes stuff about the team and about his decision making and stuff. So Malone, I feel like very good communicator and especially true with the media. And I've always appreciated that. I think for me, it's after the various uh, shooting incidents that we've seen in Colorado, his thoughtfulness in those situations, his thoughtfulness during the Black Lives Matter movement. You know, Malone, I think, has come a long way on those issues. And that's like one of the things that he's a lot of things at once. Like we're all, we all contain multitudes, but I've, it's always been interesting to me that Malone's not a caricature and it'd be very easy for him to be a caricature, old school coach, Brought up under the Van Gundy tree. Dad's a longtime assistant. I think he is a caricature, though. <laughs> I think he kind of is a caricature coach. You don't? I don't mean that in a, wrong, in a bad way, but I'm saying those things you describe of him are very, very much, like, influential to who he is. Yeah, they are. My thing is that it it doesn't it doesn't carry all the way through, right? Because it would be very easy to be like... I mean, look, he comes from a family of cops, and... For him to have kind of come around to where he is on Black Lives Matter and the issues that matter so much to the players, I think is a reflection of at least an open-mindedness. I also think that as someone that comes from that school of coaching, it'd be very easy to, to dismiss analytics. And instead, he's at least receptive to them to where he incorporates them, if for no other reason than into you know his commentary with the media. So for me, I, I just feel like um, there are things about him that may be caricature-like, but he's a pretty deep, well-rounded person. The level that he cares about his family, I think, is important and impressive, too. Like, he's balanced that, and that's hard for a coach to do. Like, there's a reason why everyone, like, the stories about Tom Thibodeau are legendary, right? Of, like, him working all night and sleeping in the office and stuff like that. And so um, I have a lot of respect for, for Malone off of the way that he's approached things. I think that he has a considerable ego the way that a lot of coaches do. And he's got, there's a lot of things that, I don't know, man. I think it's it's whenever you get to, to you spend enough time with anyone, you figure out more about who they are, even in, in the limited transactions that we have, that I, I just feel like there's always more to people than we kind of tend to believe. And that's something that I've come to, to kind of feel about Malone. Good, yeah, bad, and otherwise. No, he's very much the son of a coach and a New Yorker. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true, too. Um, Miroslav, good old Miroslav who, by the way, you can check out on DMVR Nuggets Serbian Corner. I want to plug that show. Uh, who would you put Jamal on versus the Knicks and Nets this weekend? Who would I put Jamal on on the Knicks and the Nets? Hmm. Um, man, so the Knicks out. I think Brunson's still out, which is an interesting twist. I put Jamal on RJ. Really? Why is that? If he You're looking to, at if, quickly and Grimes starting for them in the last game? If, yeah, if you if you want 
I don't I want Jamal guarding an off wing, an off ball player like Grimes that moves a lot. Um, and I, if RJ Barrett wants to try an ISO versus Jamal Murray, I love those yeah. odds for Denver. So then you would have, um, you, you would probably have KCP on quickly. And that means Michael Porter on Grimes running around screens. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I like that. I mean, Quentin Grimes is a good, I really like him as a prospect. I don't know if he's so good that you like, you know, you don't want Murray on him. And then also Murray just needs a little bit of reps guarding some guys, guarding some guards. I think Grimes is the right answer um, for, for that particular matchup. And again, most of this has to do with, I don't like Michael Porter having to guard RJ, uh, have to guard the guards and run through them. I think it's better have him guard an RJ Barrett. On the other side, um, you have to put him on Herder because you're not going to put him on Fox. Can you put AG on Grimes and then put MPJ oh, on, the wrong one. on Randall? I'm sorry. Hold on a second. I'm here looking at the wrong. I'm looking at the box score the wrong way. Say that again. Could you put MPJ on uh, Randall and put uh, Gordon on Grimes? No way. On Why? Julius Randall? Why? He's way too strong for Michael Porter. I mean, that's the thing about Randall is that he's too strong for most people in the NBA. That's his main advantage. He's just a bully. I mean, Michael Porter would would get. I mean, he would he would look like a toothpick, <laughs> don't okay. you think? I mean, I think there's no way you could put him on him. I, I trust MPJ. I trust him too, but that's a bad matchup. Like, there's a, you trust guys to do jobs within the confines of their matchup. So I don't know if we do go. I'm sorry for some reason I I'm looking at the last game and I'm looking at I got suckered into looking at the Kings matchup rather. I think you have Dinwiddie, um, and then a bunch of wings. I think you just put Jamal on one of the wings, the various wings that they're going to play. For the Nets. You just don't want him chasing around uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, but it doesn't really matter with the way the Nets play. They get the switches that they want and yeah. then they attack. I don't know that they're going to be singling him out in particular, but I just don't think you worry as much about the matchup on that one. Let's do one more here before we go to take a break. I've been getting concerned about the offensive process lately. This is from Matt Dreher. Lots of guys passing on the easy play to force a harder play. Very different than the hive mind machine we saw earlier this year. When the collective rhythm is just a bit off, how does the team find its way back to it? I love this question. This is one of the reasons I didn't want to answer the Detroit the Detroit game one just yet. Mm -hmm. So I think there are, for me, a few concerns that come from this losing streak. Jamal Murray's health, Aaron Gordon's health, the team's collective defense, and the team's collective connection and rhythm on offense. I think the Murray health one, who knows? The Aaron Gordon health one, I think definitely you hope that a guy can get healthier than what he looks like right now. Um, the defense is an issue. But that offense, to me, I do think that they have lost a rhythm. And I think that there have been some really bad shots taken, primarily from Jamal Murray. But I think that they have just been out of rhythm and out of sorts. And when we talk about thinking about Jokic's approach over these last handful of games, and he even has a comment, Matt, I'm telling you, there's some things that that get set in pressers that you almost just filter through. And then when you go back and really think about them, you're like, hold on, hold on a second. He's saying something here. And one of those was there was a question to Nicola after the, one of the home losses, whether it was Brooklyn or whether it was Chicago, where he was asked about the teams like falling out of rhythm and like this or that. It seems like it's been a problem recently. And he goes for seven years or for eight years or something like that. And he kind of said it very like frustrated, like, yeah, that's what we like. That's always been our problem was we can't be consistently in the rhythm. And he said it so quickly and subtly that you kind of just, you were trying to get to what he, to the second part of the question or whatever. But I think that that really hints at what Jokic is perhaps most frustrated about over this spell is I think the team has lost the trust. 
they're not playing through him nearly as much. And I just think that there is a, a larger amount of bad shots taken over the last five games. I mean, it was the four-game losing streak, but it was also the Toronto game before that. And I think that that might be a little, a little bit about what's going on with the Nuggets. Up next, we'll dive more into that question and what could be going on with Denver's offense. I want to tell you about Ultimate Basketball, Pro Basketball GM. I'm really geeked out by this game. It's absolutely amazing. It's our new partner and sponsor of today's episode, the mobile game Ultimate Pro Basketball GM. You ever dreamed of becoming an NBA GM and managing your basketball franchise? Well, your dream can come true, and this game is definitely for you. You get to manage every strategic aspect of your team, play through the season, and lead your team to glory. You're responsible for hiring the right coaches and assistants and you know, that seems to be a popular thing amongst the fans. Trading and training players, making draft picks, navigating your franchise through free agency and the draft and all the ups and downs of the season. All of this in a challenging and realistic game world. Ultimate Pro Basketball GM is completely free and playable offline. Play on the go as you want to and when you want to. You can do all sorts of cool stuff in there. You can make the trades that you want. You can manage your cap. Find out how hard it is to be to get a great team while trying to keep that cap managed. All the ups and downs, experience all that inside the game. Locked on Nuggets listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code Locked On in the game store. So make sure to check it out. Download the game. Just visit probasketballgm.com. Scan the code or look it up on the app stores. That's probasketballgm.com. Ultimate Basketball GM. Start your dynasty today. We'll be right back on Locked On Nuggets. Back here on Locked On Nuggets. Thanks for joining us and making us part of your day. Appreciate you guys being with us. Uh, let's pick up where we were talking about on the offense. And it's like a really interesting thing that you mentioned. Um, do you think that the, the result of those shots is from laziness to committing to principles or a willingness and desire to freelance since they feel like they have less pressure on them to execute at a high level? I think it's the second one of those. And I think if you think about when... When I hear people say, oh, the Nuggets are bored or they lost focus, this or that, I think it often people think of that as this like conscious, like, ah, we're just bored. We're not trying. What I think it is, is that you have to really focus and commit to being a team, to being unselfish, to playing within a rhythm. And if you just lose a little bit of that focus, it can manifest itself in bad shots and, and those types of things. So I don't think it's a deliberate I want to get my numbers because the season's over for us. All that matters is now let me pump up my numbers. I don't think it's that conscious of, of, of a thing. I just think the team hasn't been committed to playing ball is popping, Jokic ball lately. And the result of that has been guys taking really bad shots and the rhythm being really stunted and there being more bad possessions than typical. I think it's probably like 80% of it. I think some of it probably is like, I think guys... I don't know if board's the right word. I don't think board's the right word for it. I think sometimes they the the, the players want to feel like they can expand their games too. And then they can show what they can do. And I think it's hard to do that within the role of the offense as it's designed around Nicola. It's better basketball with Nicola. Like you're better off that way. You're gonna it's gonna look better. You're gonna score better. It's but, their only path to a championship, though, man. I mean, all of those things, like, it's their only path. They're not good enough. There's teams that are way better at the than them at the freelance part of basketball. Sure. I agree. Like, I, I get what you're saying, where it's just like, yeah, if you had Kevin Durant, you can – Kevin That's Durant gets freelance. Maybe Aaron Gordon and KCP shouldn't. Yeah, I get right. that. 
Like, and but even Jamal Murray, I mean, Jamal Murray, I think, can be an extremely effective and efficient superstar. But there's there's a level of freelance that it's like, hey, you're not Kyrie Irving, even who's one of the best ball handler shooters, this or that. But even Kyrie goes outside those lines too much. He would work better within the confines of a, of a system. I said that I wouldn't do uh, chat questions, but I'm going to break that for Hurricanes question. Uh, Mara's is a high level player. How much more demanding is Jokic ball versus what the team is doing now? So I don't, what's funny is it's, that's a tough question for me because it's my favorite style of basketball to play because it, it forces you to employ every skill. Like it, it, it's not just one thing. You have to be able to move off ball. You have to be able to screen. You have to be do, doing all these things. I think it is more about a mental desire to do it. Like you're going into a game of, Hey, this is what I'm going to commit to doing. Cause a lot of playing that style, you don't get rewarded every time per individually, you get rewarded collectively, but you have to set some off-ball screens. You have to cut hard to drag the defense out. And you aren't the recipient. You don't get an assist. You don't get a pass. And if you do that once or twice, and then a guy breaks the system and freelances, you might go four or five possessions where you did the dirty work but didn't never got the reward. When you're playing in rhythm, the ball finds everybody a little bit more. And so you're, you feel more incentivized to cut hard on the possession where you don't touch the ball because you know the next possession, you're likely to be the recipient of someone else's hard cut. Scott asked this question on Twitter. Uh, this is from Niners Nuggets for L, I assume for life. Uh, with the Niners, it's more for loss in the playoffs. From a basketball stance, do you guys think Udoka is the coach we need to take this team to a championship with his pedigree <laughs> from all the years playing and for and coaching with Popovich? Um, this is like a that's a that's a June question. That's a that's a May or June question with the Nuggets lose. That's not a that's not a March question when the Nuggets are the one seed. Yeah, that's been one of the things I've tried to say. It's like, you know, pro- probably firing your coach 10 days before the playoffs would be a bad decision. I think that would be 10 games before the playoffs. I, there's just so much time that if this were to be the case, there's so much time to figure that out and to have podcasts about that. But no. um, the other thing I would I would just say is uh so I don't know I don't know the details on Udoka's situation. I will tell you that everyone that has been like this can't be that big of a deal. Like, come on, this is not that big of a deal. And then goes and finds out the details is like, Oh, Oh, it was. Oh, so like with Udoka specifically, I would tell you to be very cautious about what you're getting yourself into. Cause that's, it does not look like there's great things under the surface. Uh, D Buckley says, would the nuggets bench look better if they played Reggie Jackson and staggered AG and Porter instead of Jamal? So I'm first off, I'm not a huge believer in Reggie Jackson stylistically. I just don't think he's the type of player that is going to to bring. To, to, he's not the rug that's going to tie the room together. But I do agree with the second part of this that I am just very intrigued with the idea of staggering someone other than Jamal. Jamal has had an enormous runway to run that second unit all year, and it has not gone well under various iterations. So for me, I think if you you look at that and go. Is, does it make more sense to maybe give a different look there? To me, Michael Porter, no question. I think that he's playing the best basketball of his season right now. And in particular, we saw him when Jokic went down early in the year and with COVID and Murray went down, we saw Michael Porter without those guys and he looked horrible. But I think Porter's a little bit of a different player. He's healthier. He's getting to the rim better. He's finishing at the rim better. And he's more confident in his body that I would love to see him get a couple games in a row where it's like, hey, Let's see what it looks like if he's spacing the floor as a power forward against second units. And let's see what it looks like if we give him 
a handful of touches, meaning, hey, you're the one that's the trigger on this one. We're giving it to you. You're running the pick and roll with whoever, or you're ISOing on the elbow or whatever. And let's just see what he does. If he does as poorly as he did in November, then you give it two, three games and you say, let's try something else. But I have, I suspect that he might be the best option. And then lastly, Matt, on this one, the last two games, Christian Brown might be in the rotation. I know we're going to talk about that in a second. I think he actually might be for real. I love the idea of Christian Brown being an alternate in Michael Porter's spot on closing lineups if you feel you need extra perimeter defense. And there's going to be teams that have more guards that you're like, you know what, we just need guys that can move and guard on the perimeter, take Michael Porter out. I don't like that if it means Michael Porter plays 27 minutes a game, which is what's happened the last two games, whether he was benched or not. He just ends up getting into this weird stagger. You alleviate that if you just assume he's going to stagger with the bench, and then he gets up to his 30-minute mark with six minutes to go in the, at the end of the game, and then you can decide, do I give him more or do I, who do I close with? So for me, Michael Porter solves a lot of problems, and it's at least worth giving it a look before you get to the playoffs. I had all these like thoughts on this about like, well, there's this concern and this concern and this concern, and I was like, doesn't doesn't matter. The bench is so bad. There's no harm in trying anything. So I'm yeah. all for it. Um, instead of being like more concerned about it, for me, it's more a matter of, hey, this is probably something that you should have tried more heavily back in January. And we're, we're so late on it. It's, it's funny, Matt, because you – I'm going to say – I'm going to push back on you on this one topic because Nuggets fans made a big deal about the Christian Brown thing in December and January, and I do feel like we're kind of late to arriving at, hey, turns out Christian Brown is going to be in the playoff rotation, which I think is the case where we're at now. But I just wish we would have tried all of these other things that don't even have to do with Christian Brown. They more have to do with who do you stagger. And because Malone was so slow to that train, I feel like we're late to solving the equation perfectly. We agree with that. I totally agree with that. What, what are you pushing back on? I'm just saying earlier in the year, there was a right reason to say, hey, that's a long season. Like Malone's going to make him earn the minutes and this or that. And there was some of that was correct, especially in like October, November. But there were times when he got pulled out of the rotation in January and February where if you had those minutes, if Michael Malone closed a few games with Christian Brown in January and February, it wouldn't feel so weird when he chose to close with him in March. But the fact that we're doing this for the first time now at Michael Porter's expense, it's just like, hey, we should have arrived at these types of things well before we got to the final month of the season. Yeah, I, I totally agree with all that. Um, I will reassert my position on Christian Brown again, which has been pretty consistent. He's good and needs to play. Like that's been my 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 position consistently. Um, the idea that like he is a that there gets to the point of like that's like that's the solve for everything. And I think He's the bench a has, has broader questions. That's a that's a I have pushed back against a conversation, not against Christian, because I think Christian has proven like I don't like he does everything that you need. He's big, he defends, he makes hustle plays. He could shoot. He finishes. He's mistake. He he's pretty mistake low for a rookie comparatively. The energy he brings is far greater than that. He's high level. Like I, he needs to play for sure. Let's get into that though, because that's a question they even want to answer. Steve Augustine eight says, "Do you think Christian Brown will stay in the Brown will stay in the rotation? I don't think he will because Malone likes vets." <laughs> this would be the wildest thing. I mean, like. <laughs> How many times have I declared Christian Brown part of the rotation? I think I think right now it's going to be my third or fourth time. Uh, yes, I think he's in the rotation for good. Um, I think it's real this time. I mean, look, 
part of this is it's hard to build a good bench. I don't know. I think it's too late in the year. I don't think Denver's going to have a great bench. But I do think if you're starting your bench, you start from Bruce Brown and Christian Brown and you go from there. Yeah, I agree. I think that's I think that's accurate. I think I'll say this, like the question there's two different questions here. There's should Christian Brown be in the rotation and will he be in the rotation? Those are two different questions. And I think that everybody on the media side is absolutely convinced that he needs to be in the rotation, including me. Like everyone believes I don't know anybody that's like, I don't know. I don't see it. And a lot like, of this has to do with how bad the other options are, but it's also yes. that he's been very good. Yeah. Um, I don't know. You know, the, the vets thing I think is, is accurate, whether that's Malone or how the team feels or whatever, like doesn't really matter. Malone's ultimately the one responsible for it. If Malone wants to, you know, buck whatever the veterans on the team stay over there, like you can't like, I don't know if we want a rookie out here in this situation. Malone's got to be like, I trust him. He's proven it. We're going with him. That's his job. What's your nine man rotation starters. And then starters, Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, so hard. I, tell I, would, so hard. I would go Vlaco. I would go Vlaco. I would go Vlaco and Thomas Bryant. Man. And then who's the stagger? I would stagger KCP. And KCP is the stagger. So Bruce is sort of the de facto ball handler. Yes. You got a floor space. I love, I love the Bruce, KCP, Christian Brown minutes they get stops and they run. And that makes up for all of the other problems with them in half court offense. Like you want to get through, you want to get through this in the playoffs. It'll be six minutes. You want to get through a six minute stretch. You know, a good way to do that, have a burst where your defense gets downhill on a team and you rattle off a six Oh run. You're not going to grind it out and slug it out with this bench unit. You can't, you don't, you don't have a good enough playmaker on ball you don't have a good enough finisher on the wings. Like you don't have a post-up player. You don't have any options. So the only way to do it is to cause chaos, run and get downhill and make them call timeouts to stretch it out, buy your starter some extra time and then get through that, that six minute stretch. And like one of the key issues in my opinion is that with Jeff in the game, in the game, those minutes get longer. I'm like, I've been a Jeff green guy since he got here. I'm like the, you know, these vets bring stuff to the table guy. I've been on this since the November that like I've said, I was like, I don't know that Jeff is there anymore. And like Jeff was good last night. I thought Jeff was really good in that game. Jeff can give you three good playoff games and they might be the ones that help you win a title. I'm not right. ruling that out, but on a night to night basis, I think you're better off with Blacko's playmaking, spacing, the things that Blacko does. Switchability. Play. Not switchability. that he's a phenomenal defender, but he can switch. Yeah. Like, I think you're better off with those types of things. And then like Thomas Bryan, I just like in there for putbacks. <laughs> I, to me, it's easier to make an eight man rotation than nine, eight. I think you stagger to me. I would love to see you stagger KCP and, and MPJ. And I would put MPJ at the four. I would play Bruce and Christian Brown at the one and three. So you have defenders and Bruce KCP, Bruce Brown and Vlaco Chanchar. And you have offensive shooting and spacing from KCP and Michael Porter with a little playmaking from, from Blacko. So for me, it's easier to do that. When you have to add, if you have to take out one of MPJ and KCP just to get a nine-man rotation in, I think it gets really hard. Then I start to look at it and I go, is that Reggie then? Is it um, – I, I don't think you play two forwards. I don't think you take Michael Porter out and play Vlatko and Jeff Green. The numbers on those, that have been horrible. So I don't think you do that. Is it Thomas Bryant? Well, he hasn't done anything positive, so I don't think that makes sense. 
I, I, I would play Thomas Bryant if I was playing him next to MPJ, but then you can't fill out the backcourt, uh, you know, properly. So I am it's really well, hard. The reason I like Thomas Bryant is the AG at five needs to be like a secret weapon last. Like we, we got to win. Like this is it. I'm not even talking about AG at five though. In that one, I was talking about Blacko at five. I'm with you on, on AG. He probably will get to that in the, in the postseason. but, and I'm with you. It's not in every game lineup. It's a later in the series one, probably. Um, all right. Coming up next, we got questions on pace. We've got some questions on Bruce Brown. We've got some questions on a lineup without Aaron Gordon. <laughs> We've got a lot of different questions to get to. Plus, we're down more. so bad, Matt. You see this? Yeah. Uh, we'll put in Jamal only in second unit. Kill his trade. Trade. Value. We're down so bad. <laughs> My God, it just be crazy. Well, uh, we'll talk about all those and more on the other side. First, let's talk about Bill Bar. The Bill Bar March Madness bracket is here. We know you have a favorite bar or puff, and now it's your time to make a count. Go to builtmarchmadness.com to vote for your favorites. You know, I'm going to be voting for Churro. I talk about it here all the time. Churro is the GOAT. It is the elite built bar. And if you want the Nuggets to win, then you'll be voting for that bar too because they've got a bar for every single team on there as well. I think I think Churro is a good representation of the Nuggets, quite honestly. Uh, support your bar or puff. And when you vote for your favorite bar or puff, you'll be entered to win in, in a drawing where 50 lucky locked-on listeners will get a free box of built bars. Not only that, but one Locked On fan will win a 12-month subscription to Built to have the Built's best bars or puffs delivered monthly straight to your door. You got to try Built. It's the best protein bar ever. They're so amazing. They're covered in 100% chocolate with great macros, only 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, 14 grams of protein. Run to BuiltMarchMadness.com right now to vote for your favorite Built bar or puff and pick up a box while you're there. You can vote every day in March, so hop in and support your pick. We're also brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. The tournament's heating up, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. New customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. You can bet on anything from money line to point scores, even threes drained. You know, uh, on today's slate, I like Drake today. I'm very big on Drake versus number five, Miami. Uh, I've got go. the money line plus 125 over at FanDuel. Oh, also at FanDuel. Very excited today in the NBA. I'm betting on both the Spurs and the Rockets in the same day. No way. Who doesn't wait, wait. love that? Are you being Two serious? The Western Conference, and I have money on both of them. How could this go wrong? Unbelievable. Don't miss your chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. We'll be right back on Locked on Nuggets. Back here on Locked on Nuggets. Thanks for joining us, making us part of your day and your first listen. Appreciate you guys being with us on a Friday. Hope you guys have a great weekend. Hope you enjoy the tournament. Hope the brackets are all healthy and good. However you choose to spend your weekend, hope that you are safe, healthy, and have a really good time. It's it's a little fake springish out. It's a little bit. It's not. Oh, man, I meant to tell you this. What? On, uh, two days ago, two days ago was our first official day of fake spring. I think that's seventy degree day. Yeah, and then it snowed the next day. Yep, absolutely. That was our first fake it was spring. Such a such a good fake spring day. 
uh gonna be a little bit warmer over the next couple weeks i'm excited for that here in I'm colorado the shorebirds uh, arrived matt I, I mean it felt like spring for one day one day uh kind of earl ryan m says on twitter should the nuggets ever run the jamal kcp bruce brown mpj Jokic lineup to spread the floor and prevent teams from putting a smaller player on Jokic? i'm gonna let you take this one first the question was about putting us. Uh, it's no AG slide KCP to three, MPJ to four, and Bruce Brown takes the two guard spot. The weird thing about this is that the moment you do that, the team adjusts, right? Because you're not going to never play AG next to Jokic. So a team will say, when he's on the court, we do this. When he's off the court, we'll go away from that and guard it more naturally. And you need Aaron Gordon on there when the team's playing you regularly. So this becomes a little bit of a. You can't necessarily counter that way in a playoffs. I do think it's something you do if it's a late fourth quarter and you're down. Say the Nuggets go into the fourth, you know, the, the into crunch time, five minutes to go, and they're down five points. That might, and that's how a team is guarding you, is they're putting, you know, the big on Aaron Gordon and daring him to shoot. At that moment, I think you might actually consider it. Like, hey, we're down five. We need points more than stops. And if the, we're going to go this way and we'll see if they blink, and if not, we're going to score a bunch of points. But I don't think that's what you do as a default position. What you have to do is you have to take advantage of it. And by the way, Aaron Gordon has been very good at taking advantage of this year, not just with the three-pointer. I think the number one sign that he has banged up is that he has been going towards the basket a lot less. And I think some of this is like you're afraid of contact. When you're hurt, whether it's intentional or not, you're just naturally thinking, do I want to bully my way at the big man right now and try to dunk over him and get fouled and then go to the line? You absolutely do not. And to me, that's part of what we've seen from Aaron Gordon over the last two or three weeks is that he's been way more reluctant to do that. I don't know what the numbers are on his dunks, but I would imagine his dunk rate has plummeted over the last three weeks. I think so, too. That rib injury before the All-Star break like really bothered him, and he just ha he has not looked the same. And I don't blame him. That's got to be really painful. Like Rib injuries are extremely painful. I think all injuries are really painful, honestly, in basketball, but... That one especially, I think, which is why, I don't know. I, I will say this, you know, um, we have bridges we don't want to burn, right, here on the show. That's the thing. Like, that's just, like, the reality of part of our things. Like, you got to be honest and critical within balance. The health and training staff keeps everything completely locked up. Won't tell you. Sometimes if a guy's even got an injury, won't tell you anything about it. Right. That's the NBA now, though, Matt. True. I mean, I'm here. Here's and let me just say to the point you're making here, because I think it's very unhealthy and we're in the industry and maybe some of this is on our our, our plate. We don't actually know what went on with Ime Adoka. There's rumors. Some of us know, you know, I've heard things behind the scenes, but we don't know. Andrew Wiggins is missing time. We don't actually know what's going on with him in that capacity. The John Morant story, there's like you know, feel good pieces about, oh, you know, this or that. And he does an interview, but we don't actually know all the details of what went on there. There's less reporting about the NBA in general about this stuff. So you're right that injuries is part of this, but Denver's not the only team that has stories like this where it's, hey, what's the story with that? We don't know. They haven't said anything. They won't tell you anything. And there's just no way to find out. So I think it's an actual problem uh, across the NBA that some of your major stories are all vaguely reported. I agree with you. The point I was trying to get to is they take this very like, well, we know what's best and we're not going to tell you anything. And th this, we're trying to protect the players. Then tell me why Jamal's going out there playing 40 minutes a night after he's got knee soreness. Tell me why Aaron Gordon hasn't taken a night off despite clearly being pretty banged up. Like 
you have, if you think you have the one seed, which I still think you do, I looked at the numbers again today and I'm like, boy, it's just going to be really hard for Sacramento to catch. I'm just not personally big, a big fan of like the way that it's we're like rejected whenever we wanted to be able to tell the fans what's going on with the player about the information being shared. But yet like these guys are also like, well, training staff says they're good to go and they're throwing them on out there. Like what, what's you, going on for me, Matt, honestly, if a team is not going to report like Jamal Murray, I thought was going to say he was questionable for the Toronto game. And then he plays, and you're like, okay, it's a homecoming. I thought for Detroit, like, okay, then he'll probably miss when he didn't miss. Then my inclination is to say, he's not hurt. He's not hurt. I can't factor that into my analysis of him because if he's hurt, he'll be, he won't play. I agree. If you're out there, you get judged. I agree. If you like, if you choose to play, you're judged on, on performing, but on some level, when you have the players association pushing back so much that teams are one of the ones responsible for rest management and keeping <laughs> a handle on guys. If you have that situation, then either if the nuggets are trying to tell Jamal to sit and he's resisting it, Jamal needs to listen or they need to make that case stronger because like, I'm sorry, these guys do aren't, and everyone's banged up. Like no one's healthy right now in the NBA. This is not just a nuggets issue, right? This is not like, they're not playing badly just because of injuries. Everyone's banged up. Everyone's banged up. Yep. But ultimately, I just get frustrated at the way this stuff kind of is approached on a number of levels. Um, you, you said, hold on real quick. You said you don't think that Sacramento is going to catch. So they're four losses behind, and the last game of the season is a head-to-head. Yep. I, I feel like it's not that. I mean, they're surging right now. They're beating everybody, and they're playing their best ball, and they're a feel-good story. So Okay, so here's here's what it looks like. Just to, to – you're, you're right, okay? This They're ten and two in their last ten, uh, or, or uh, sorry, yeah, ten and two in the last twelve. Okay, if the Kings finish ten and three, so that would be a twenty and five run for Sacramento to end the season, which that's incredible. Okay, uh, if they go ten and three, the Nuggets need six and six. If they lose the last game of the season, five and seven. If they win that last game of the season, wow. Okay, I, it 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 changes it, right? Of like, course. I mean, like, Denver just needs to string it right now. Five and seven feels in play. I know, <laughs> I know. But if, but if I was like, if if I told you like, hey, they finished five and seven, you'd be like, God, that's terrible. Yeah, that would still get it done. <laughs> like, I mean, you can just look at Washington at home against New Orleans at the Rockets. That's three games that they should be favored in by a fair amount, and then you just got to pick up all these other 50-50 games. So, yeah. I mean, they have a tough schedule. They Nuggets have a tough schedule from here on out, but they should pick up some wins. Scott uh, asked this question. Why do the Nuggets need the first seed? Oh, look, I'll just tell you this. It would be embarrassing to lose the, the number one seed after essentially having it locked up. You'd be in a much better bracket. Like, your odds of avoiding Golden State, like, you would avoid Phoenix and probably Golden State until maybe, because you might end up with a two, you might face them in the seven. But, like, you definitely would 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 have an easier like right now as it stands with the one seed. You could face Golden State in the first round, and even if you get past the defending champs, you would face Phoenix to go to the conference finals. Like, it's it's a tough side of the bracket. It is funny though to think about <laughs> the, the being a scenario where Denver gets to the final game of the year. 
against Sacramento and throws it to drop to two or three because it gives them a favorable matchup. It's too funny. It's too funny to, to, to pass up. Um, it yeah. would be hilarious too if Denver plays so poorly down the stretch, only for it, you know, like us to start wondering, did they throw the one seed and then to race to the finals because they have the best path? It would actually be hilarious. They have to do it organically, though, as, as uh, your good buddy, Zach Lowe, as you can catch Adam Mares on the low post again this week. You're like a regular contributor to the low post. Yeah. People are, are, I don't know if you've never been on the show. So I never invited me. So sad. I go, I went on the show and Jokic's MVP odds tanked. So I, and and Nuggets fans have drawn a correlation there. So that ship sailed, buddy. It's over. What is MVP? It's done. Oh, I'm telling you, like, I honest to God, I've always said I don't care. I think that everybody caught up to me. I don't think Nuggets fans care. I yeah, I agree. They've like, they've like it got so it got so gross since Perkins that everybody's like, fine, whatever. We're it's, out of here, man. We're out of here. Yeah, it's it's fine. We got other things on the mind. Um, oh, I, can I tell you this? This is the Nuggets fans won't like this, but I thought, I mean, look, I want Jokic and the Nuggets to win every championship. That's my favorite outcome. But I do think there's a funny outcome if Embiid won MVP this year and next, and Giannis, Jokic, and Embiid each win one championship over that six year span. It would be hilarious to me all the breath wasted over who deserves it and how could we give it to this guy if they all end up equal in every category. And it'd be like, hey, we actually got it right. I really like talking got two about MVPs it until, and one title. I, I really like talking about it until two years ago. Honestly, I really like talking about it until Sixers fans came around. That's I love that. Yeah, I, lo- I love it. I love that you blame them because so many people blame Nuggets fans for ruining it. Yeah, I don't know why. Like, there's a couple, but for the most part, I, I don't get like. No, no, I don't see a lot. Maybe they're out there, but I don't see a lot of Nuggets fans throwing death threats around. So mm. not a thing. A um, couple more here. Uh, Slava asked, will Vlaco get a chance for the playoffs? Probably not. I don't understand it. Like, this is one that I can't, you know, you know me. I will go to any lengths to defend Malone, but like, I'm, <laughs> you get, you have to be consistent. Okay. You can either say, that hey, if you're injured, if you were in the rotation, and you're injured, you get it back when you come back. Or you can say, no, like if if what's working is working, we stick with it. You can't be inconsistent. And this is an inconsistency from Malone that I don't think is appropriate. Vlaco's uh, not a rookie. He's not a first year player. He's been with the team. He's the longest tenured nu- nugget outside of Jamal and, and Nicola. Like this is not a thing. Um, Vlaco was in the rotation. Vlaco had earned the spot in the rotation. He'd gone to Jeff Green and told him that that he wasn't that Vlaco was in the rotation for Jeff. According to Malone, Jeff was like, "Whatever you need, that's great." They played well with Vlaco, and then he's out, and that's a mistake. And I don't have any way to get around that. Well, the the reason he's out is because he came back, and in the one game he came back, he was really bad. Um, which is, I think, a lot of players come back from a leave and they and they're bad. I will say, I mean, this is the thing about the runway. There's 12 games, Matt. There's 12 games. It's not that much time to figure this out. And that's why I say the Malone has gone to things that don't work for six, seven, eight games in a row. And we've always said, like, you want to get a big sample size. That's why he does it. Sometimes you're like, hey, I know this isn't going to work, but we know Malone's going to give it two or three more games. We're at a point right now where you can't do that. He's Malone almost – how many moves does Malone have with that bench? How many more moves does he have with 12 games to go? Two. I agree. Two, maybe three, but I mean, that becomes really condensed. So is one of those Vlatko Chanchar and Thomas Bryant and Jeff Green, neither? Like, it's just tough. It's tough. Uh, we're running late. 
Uh, but I want to go ahead and get a few more in here. What's the best pace for a Jokic lineup to play at? Redness Dangler Red on Twitter asked that. Yeah, I mean, you know, my app. Uh, we were talking at DNVR the other day how we all have agendas. I mean, every analyst has an agenda, right? We all, as unbiased as we may try to be, we all have a thing that we're like, this is up my wheelhouse. My wheelhouse, my agenda, outside of the broader Jokic is a really good agenda. The, my agenda is the Nuggets just play way too slow and they leave points on the table and they leave defense on the table. So for me, um, the best Jokic offense gets into their sets very quickly and then uses the possession methodically. So right now, I think Denver, generally speaking, uses possessions methodically, but they get into their sets so goddamn slow. Do you feel that his conditioning is in a place for him to play that pace right now? This I love that you brought this up. One thing we haven't discussed, and I'm I'm glad you brought it up. I actually wonder about that with Yoke. I think at a point in the season his conditioning was great, and I wonder if it's great right now. I'm with you. I don't. He looks tired. He looks really tired. Again, this is why maybe don't play like assholes for four games, and you could have already locked the one seed, and we could be done with this. And you can shape. just start resting. But or, they decided to play left. like assholes. Sorry for the cursing, but like that's that's just like a thing. Is like. You know, and they, I, you know, I keep going back to Adam. I keep going back to the Sun series and his usage rate in in that run was insane because of the injury to Jamal. Right. This is extremely critical. Jokic has to have the energy level to play aggressively in pick and roll defense. It doesn't just, it doesn't just mean at the level you can play an aggressive drop. You can play a short drop where you're still up. That's okay. You have to be able have you noticed that in the Nets game and la- and the Raptors game and last night, how many lobs he's getting hit over him? Have you noticed that? To me, that's a reflection. That's a good reflection of his conditioning. It's Maybe. whether or not he has the recovery time to get back and make a sincere contest on those to at least either prevent the pass or defend it. Now, that's partly on the guards for you have to make sure that they can't get that pass off. At the same time, like he has got to be in a place where he like you have to have Jokic in a great condition. This team is really good. This team is the number one team in the Western Conference. This team, like, there is a championship contender, a championship winner inside this team. There is in there somewhere is that team that we've seen. But you have to be able, like, their floor is not high enough. They have got to hit, not a ceiling, but they got to hit a high level game by game or they will lose. Yeah. You know what's so funny about analyzing Yoke? And I agree with you, by the way, on all accounts. I agree. But the weird thing is, over his last four games where Denver's gone one and three, Jokic is averaging 32, 12 yeah. and a half, and nine and a half. He's great. The, last numbers, the numbers, he's averaging a 30 point triple double, which is not just he averages a triple double, but a 30 point triple double means he's scoring a lot. And yet, watching him, we kind of think like he's not being very aggressive and assertive. <laughs> he's just, it's, it's tough to figure out. But I, but the conditioning part of this, one of my big questions for you going into the playoffs. Um, yeah. So it's like, look, but I think this is part of the thing though, is the more that he has to put up these lines for them to compete, the bigger a drag it is on him and a bigger a drag it is on the defense. Like you need, you need Joker to not have to be all world except for like once in a while, he should not be carrying a team this talented and this healthy in terms of guys that are available to play. I don't think it's tiring to carry the team as the fulcrum. I do think it is as the scorer or whatever. Yeah. So I, I do think there's a level of him setting the table does not take as much energy out of him as, you know, some of the other stuff. I Look, 
to me, Jamal Murray, I think, is overextended a little bit, his usage in the offense. And I'm curious to see if, A, he either just starts making a lot more shots or if he scales it down and finds a better rhythm within the flow of the offense. And if you look at the numbers, Matt, of the Nuggets over the last 10 games, Jokic, as efficient as he's been all season. Michael Porter, as efficient as he's been all season. Jamal Murray, as inefficient as he's been all season and taking five more shots than Jokic and MPJ. All right, before we get out of here, what's the record uh, over the next few games? Do they, they got the Knicks and the Nets both on matinee games in New York. What do you think they go? Chaos. I'll go one and one, um, which is the coward's take. I'll go one and one. Yeah, I'm they with need you. to get a win. They need to get if they get a win against one of these two, it'll be the best win in three weeks. I think I think they I would lean towards they lose the Knicks beat Nets. It's hard to be a team twice within a week. And so I kind of lean towards them beating the Nets. I think they'll remember that and give pretty good effort. The Nets are inconsistent too. They got a lot of things to go their way in that game. Like the Nuggets played terrible and they got a lot of things to go in their way in that game. I'm hoping that that fourth quarter carries over some momentum. Um, Knicks are tough, man. Like they're a tough team. Like they're just they're they're good on both ends. They're a balanced team. They're they are sneaky, really balanced, and they're uh, they have a lot of ways to kind of match up here. Knicks have a little bit of bad vibes with uh, Mitch Robinson, who's a little upset about his role on the team. But we'll see kind of how it goes. Missing Brunson's obviously a big deal, but we'll see how it goes. You're shaking your head about Mitchell Robinson. It's just. I, th- I swear this happens in the NBA so much when it because the Knicks have been a feel good story over the last six weeks. And amidst that, a player unhappy with his role, it's just like, what are we doing here? All right, guys. Hope you guys have a great weekend. Thanks for all your questions. Appreciate it. We appreciate you being part of the show. Good show today. Adam, have yourself a great weekend. Enjoy the birds of fake spring. Hope your racket that you don't know anything about is doing pretty well. And we'll talk to you guys on Monday with another edition of Locked On Nuggets.